0: Father, we thank you for this time. Guide us that we might be able to celebrate your name and do so clearly. Remove me so your people can engage with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we uh, just had our homies, our family, sing it unto the Lord, and uh, I, I just am always so blessed by them. It's funny because when you when you do something, like, and you do it well, you begin to critique yourself, but sometimes my worship team critiques they self. I don't even know what they're talking about. I was jamming, you know, like, so, so hallelujah. Amen. We thank you, worship team, for the amazing, amazing gift that you guys present unto the Lord, and we, uh, we don't take it, take your posture and your heart for granted. We, uh, we just had a, a a bit of a fun time last Sunday at the church picnic. We were all out there kicking it, ripping and running. Um, singles was out doing their thing. And you know, sometimes singles get get the, the brunt end of stuff, you know, when singles are around, people be like, hey, You want babysit? Singles didn't have to babysit, they had to ba- <laughs> they just got to chill, kick it at the picnic. We having a fun time, families having a fun time. Kind of like in our service now where there's just a bunch of beautiful kids just bopping around doing their thing. And, and sometimes there's space for me as a father, as a pastor, to talk to kids and explain things. They'll say, hey, pastor, like, so why can't we go in the gym right now? Hey, pastor, uh, why can't we eat the snacks in the, in the refrigerator right now? Hey, pastor, so they ask me things and we talk and we have a good dialogue. But, but there's also times when, like we were at the church picnic, where, you know, we're out, we're all playing and kicking it, the music's on, and you see a kid run. And you just like, Ava, stop. That's, that's not the time for discussion. Well, why? What do you see, Father? I said, stop. And in, in, in those moments when, when, when children are having fun, but they, they jet out, you don't care about the explanation. I can't tell you about the car coming down the street. With my All I care is that you obey. All I care is that you stop, that you listen. Because even though the child can't see it, ultimately you know what's for their good. This sermon we've been in, this sermon that Jesus has done, it's called a Sermon on the Mount. And ultimately, this sermon is for the good of God's people. But we end on a high note. We end with Jesus saying, okay, I explained a lot to y'all. I told y'all a lot. I gave you a whole bunch of understanding. Now I just need you to obey. I just need you to do it. I just need you to listen. I just need you to act. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, where we will kind of bring some closure to our our Kingdom Come series. Chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 24 through 29. It'll have us jumping around a little bit because the Lord's been Gracious to us as a church family. Starting at verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Verse 24 says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, what, what words are, is Christ talking about that he was hoping that they heard? Now, when you were growing up as a kid, what, what was the tactic that your parent, grandparent, or mom, dad, whoever it was that raised you, what was the tactic that they used to make sure you understood something? <laughs> but they say, "All right, hey, I'll repeat what I said." Now I just said, "Go get some chicken and bring it back to me." What I say, <laughs> and then you have to repeat it. Some of y'all didn't get to the repeat; they just yelled at you twice. Now you heard what I said. Make sure you do what I said. You heard what I said, okay? And 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 they just make. Sometimes it was. Okay, I want you to just say this thing over and over again until you get back to me. Don't forget the chicken. Don't forget the chicken. Don't forget it. Because you was like me. I was a forgetful young guy. You know what I'm saying? Oops, squirrel. Like I'll just be gone. You know, I'm, I'm on to something new, you know? So, so you just, this is one of those, like, devices that Jesus is using. He's kind of saying, like, 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 okay, don't miss this. Repeat it. Repeat it back to me. Because if you heard the words that I'm saying, then, then you got these points that I've been listing. You, you got these principles that I listed out. Some of those principles started in chapter 5, where we heard, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Or blessed are the peacekeepers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the Peacekeepers. We heard this this challenge to those that find favor with the Lord when they exemplify character of the Lord. That we were to be salt of the earth, light to a dark world. We don't walk as the world walks. And so we don't commit murder. We don't commit adultery. As our brother Jonathan said and helped us understand, we don't return anger with anger. Matthew chapter 5 verse 39 says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Jonathan helped us see that, that in a moment where it seems like you are supposed to be just simply humiliated, instead of responding by fighting and responding with anger, you respond with humility and still take a stand for yourself and you show your dignity by looking them square in the face and offering the other cheek. That type of dignity and standing up for yourself is a smack in the face to the world's system because you are standing for Christ while offering the other cheek. Our brother Rojack then helped us understand that our eye and our gaze and what is attractive to us at times can be unhealthy because the world presents something that is elusive, something that that is trying to grab our attention. He said uh, three things about sin. He says sin's root is deeper than the action that it exposes. He said sin's offense to God is potentially... Is, and its potential for eternal damning us to hell is greater than any of us can imagine. So he asked the question, what has your heart? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it lust? And so we hear Jesus' words. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We know that it applies to a woman as well looking at a man inappropriately that it is wrong and that Jesus is trying to protect not simply the actions but also the motive of his people. And our brother Matthew helped us to to see that. He helped us to guard against sin. Well, one of the ways we can, like, be proactive against sin is to fast, And Pastor Chris helped us as we were digging through this Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is just taking out these darts and just shooting them with beautiful, equipping knowledge. He said to fast that we can pursue an intimate relationship with Jesus through fasting. Chapter 5, verse 16 said, when you fast, do not look somber. As the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. He said fasting is a a tool that we use to forego what we desire so we get to be in the presence of God. Presence of God. Presence of God. I love that Pastor Chris said uh, if he told you that there was $10 million in your house, and you just had to find it, how would you return home today? TV as usual? You still going to McDonald's on the way home? Beeline, tearing up, why? Because you think that there's something of value and you're trying to find it. He, he used that illustration for us to understand we know what it's like to search for something we value. Do we apply that same principle to fasting as a way to experience the presence of the Lord. That I want to be in your presence so much, I'm willing to put off other things so I can be with you, Father. Maybe it's not just fasting, though that's the key that Jesus presents. Maybe there's another way in which you choose to enter into the presence of the Father. Whatever that is, pursue it, pursue it it, pursue it, because God desires to experience his family, his body, and his presence. We were then blessed by our other brother, Brother Brian, who encouraged us in God's word, helped us see that that we can have the wrong posture coming out of fasting. We can have an arrogant posture and now use our Fast, which allowed us to experience all that God had to offer to look down on you like why you ain't fasting. Oh, you're one of those types of Christians. See how we can use judgment as a as a as a as a, a weapon against one another. My brother said Jesus commands not to judge is not a command to ignore the sins of others. We're not saying sin just gets overlooked. Saying rather, Jesus, he is telling us how not to approach others about sin. So we come to one another still in love. We come to one another in patience. We come to one another with care, but we still come to one another. But not looking down upon each other. Not seeing as if we have the final say. But trusting and believing that God is in control and that as we come to you, we are to examine our own hearts. It was a lot, y'all. It was a a gospel-centered buffet of, of equipping that Jesus does in this sermon. In the Sermon on the Mount, he goes from everything from adultery to divorce to being blessed. Jesus covers a ton. Why? Because he's trying to equip us for the walk and the road ahead. He's trying to give us some strong pillars to build our foundation on. He gave us the tool of prayer. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. another form of entering into God's presence where we see it's not simply just an opportunity to connect. It's not simply just an opportunity for intimacy. That prayer is also a weapon against the enemy. And so I ask sometimes, what are you fighting with? You're fighting with frustration? You're fighting with anger? You're fighting with one another? Or are you fighting the enemy with the tool of prayer? Taking them out. Our sister Jenny then encouraged us in the gospel. From Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We were encouraged from our sister and she said it's important, it's important to remember that God is Trustworthy. That God is trustworthy. It takes two things for us to to knock at a neighbor's door. One is to believe that they will receive you. Let me make sure I'm reading this right. Uh, No, Jane, come on up and preach it right now. No, no, no. (laughs) But it takes two things for me to knock on my neighbor's door in the middle of the night. Trust in them and acknowledge of my desperate need that we must trust in them and then acknowledge that we have a need. And and it was an encouragement for us to see the Father in the same way that he longs to hear from him, that we trust that he will respond, but that we also have great need to bring before him. Family, we had some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful encouragement since January. We've been covering this Sermon on the Mount. And now... We end with Jesus' final illustration. His final illustration wants us to put it into practice. Look at verse 24. And I'm gonna try to speak loud, I'm gonna try to speak quick because I know the kids giving us about a three minute attention span. I know. I know kids in the back doing hula hoops and everything. I know. I know. I'm trying, y'all. You done run out of Cheerios. You're like, Lord, what I'm gonna do, it's okay. It's okay. Verse 24 says, therefore, everyone who hears these words, I just went over all the different words, all different opportunities, and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Notice the two experiences. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it has its foundation on the rock other house but everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house two things y'all two things because that house falls with a great crash two quick things one you got to ask yourself what is your house built on it's simple What is your house built on? What is the foundation by which you are building your life? What are the things that not only people would say, but people would see your life is built on? Because Jesus is like, okay, I'm, I'm dealing with people who've heard a lot of stuff. I'm dealing with people who've been in the sermons. I'm dealing with people who go to church every Sunday. I'm dealing with people who know the Christianese now. I'm dealing with my crew, my people. But there's, a, there's still groups within my people. There's a group of folks that will listen and hear. There's a group of people that will listen, hear, and do. And which are you? Because one is actually wise. It's, it's a good thing. And he says, actually, one is Foolish. Foolish that, that we can spend our lives building something that will fail, that will fall. What are you building your life on? Second question, though, and maybe it's not a question, more of an observation. Wh- which house? has a storm that comes upon it? Both of them. Oh, so you thought because you built your house on money, you weren't going to face some crazy stuff. Oh, you thought because you built your house on your kids, you weren't going to, you thought because, see, the storm is coming regardless. Challenges come to people because we breathe. Storms are coming. And and, and I, I love that, that Jesus is asking you, what are you building on? Because Jesus had a couple of interesting experiences with storms. If you got your finger on your electric Bible, just go boop into Mark. We're going to Mark chapter 4. I just want to share with you this story and another quick one uh, of how Jesus responds to storms. Mark chapter four, verse 25. Excuse me. Yeah, verse 35, excuse me. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across the other side and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, (coughs) excuse me, teacher, do you, thank you, brother. Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Peace, be still. There's a storm taking place. People are going crazy. And Jesus is asleep. But you know this well you know some of your best naps in your life have happened through a rainy storm where that cool breeze come through the window, tickling your neck while you knocked out. Why? Because when you got a house, when you have stability around you, when you're not worried of what's going on, a rainstorm can help calm you but it's when you're trying to walk and catch the bus. (laughs) It's when you're outside and a crazy rainstorm comes. Now, feeling unprotected, a storm will drive you crazy, will make you anxious, will make you worry. See, it's all about what surrounds you, and in this case, who is with you. You see, Jesus is with them in the boat, and so he calms the storm they are experiencing continue with me back to matthew first four chapter 14 another situation of jesus with a storm you see jesus being with us is what gets us through Jesus walking with us in the midst of a storm is why you should build your foundation on him and him alone cuz with him whatever storm comes I'm good. Matthew chapter 14 starting at verse we're going to start at verse 28. What has just happened is Jesus is with the disciples. Um, The disciples have gone uh, into the boat. Jesus had left them to go pray. And then later that night, uh, Jesus by himself begins to come onto the water. And there's waves. And this is that scene where Jesus walks on water. And as he's walking on water, all the folks, the disciples with him, are scared they're like, uh-oh, this must be a ghost. This this is crazy. Something's on the water. And start with me in verse 28. Well, actually, verse 27. It says, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says in one word, come. Then Peter got down on the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So you had Jesus away, Peter there, Peter gets out the boat. He starts walking to him, the wind and storm, because we're sure that it was something beyond just like a gentle breeze because it caused fear. And, and, And now as he sees this fearful wind coming, Peter gets scared, takes his focus off of Jesus, and Jesus grabs him. And they climb back in the boat, and when they get back in the boat, calm, calm. This God, this Jesus, does not simply want you to build a house where he is not dwelling. He wants to be with you in the midst of the storm so that you can, so that we can Fight against anything that should come and be thrown at us. This God is not telling you to build something separate. He wants you to build something where he can dwell. And he wants to be with us through the storms. See, storms take on a different different animal when Jesus is with you. Jesus could calm that. Does that mean life's just going to be easy and you're just going to have a smooth life forever? No. But Jesus can be with you in the midst of it and care for you in the midst of your fear, walk with you in the midst of your worry, comfort you in the midst of your anxiety. Jesus is with us. And so when we look at this scripture, it's pretty simple. Jesus is trying to say, all right, you know what? Let Let me just break it on down. I just want y'all to do what I say. What? I said, do what I say. Let me hear you say it back. Do what I say. Do what I say. Do what I say. I said, do what I say. Did you hear me? Did you hear me say do what I say? So whatever mnemonic device we need to be able to. Which part, Pastor? Which part of the Sermon on the Mount am I supposed to do? The whole thing? Yes. Which what if I just want to do like, what if I can only like grasp one thing? Yes. Not murdering somebody would be a pretty good thing. Choosing to walk in meekness, knowing that you could flex your muscle at any time, but holding back for the sake of celebrating others. Blessed are those. Choosing to endure for the sake of Christ, even when folks persecute you. Blessed are those. See, sometimes just getting one Right is enough. But sometimes God is trying to grow you and fashion you in a variety of these things. All in all, Jesus preached a sermon that said, hey, you are mine and you live a different way. You walk a different way. I've allowed you to build who you are on something different where I want to dwell with you now. You going to do it? Are we going to do it? the the series title that we've been using is Kingdom Come. And God's kingdom comes into this world as we are willing to be obedient to him. Not only obedient will we get to see, why, Father? Why shouldn't I do this? Why shouldn't I do that? You don't always get that answer. Just obey. Sometimes it's that simple. Just Read what it said. Don't lust. Why, Father? I'll tell you later, son. Don't do it. Is is it that simple? No, not always. But God gives us tools, prayer, fasting, to pursue him, to enter into his presence so that he can dwell with us. That's what it's all about, fam. Jesus Is taking people who don't have a ton of money, aren't balling, and in some ways have kind of recently met him and set this bar high. Why? Because it's achievable. Because he fills us, walks with us, and says, I got you. Left to your own, you can't do this. But I will be with you through it all. Let us pray, family. Let us trust God for this miracle. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we get a chance to build our lives on something that is eternal and will last forever. Help us, Lord, to choose you. Help us to know which way you want us to move forward. Some of us know that we have uh, listened to the Sermon on the Mount, and there's some things in this sermon. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's lust, maybe it's anger, maybe it's putting our focus too much on on money and worldly things, or whatever it is, God, you expose it with this sermon. So let us bring it before you so that our homes will not crumble. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Church family, we are uh, grateful that we get a chance to worship and celebrate Christ with you. We have uh, a few ways that we're going to do that, but, but we offer Christ to you today. If you are a person that says, hey, like, I'm listening to you, Pastor. I hear that, um, that, that Jesus wants me to act. But we tell you this and we offer this because Jesus was the first one to act. Jesus entered into our world, said, I love you enough that I won't let you stay in the position that you're in. I love you enough to disrupt the the broken relationship between you and the Father. I want to see that mended. I want to see it healed. I want to see you experience the grace of the Father. And so the pain that you should be taking, the death that you should endure because of a sinful behavior, I'll take. Jesus dies in our place so that we can fully experience love. And that's what we offer you today. We offer you the opportunity to experience God's love, but it happens through admitting I am a sinner in need of God's love and grace. If that's a prayer that you could pray today, if that's something that you could say today, if that's something that even if 10 people are in here and you don't want to say it out loud or you're at home, but you believe it in your heart, that could be the first step of salvation. That could be your, your willingness to submit to God to lead you. And then we want to be a church that walks with you in that.